to Dare to Rise. It's been a minute. Welcome back. I'm Nicole, your host. Along with me is my partner in crime, Miss Tina Kay. Hello, Nicole. How Felt are you? Good, didn't it? it Getting did. back into the swing of things. I know. I've missed that voice and missed oh. that introduction. <laughs> no one misses this voice, but I appreciate yes. the compliment. How have you been? Because I don't oh. ever talk to you. No, never. We never talk like five times a day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But since I last spoke to you, what's new? What have you been up to? How are things? Things are going well. Um, I'm excited for tonight's guest. Um, Just doing a lot of self-reflection lately on where I'm at in my life's journey and um, thinking about our emotional bank accounts. I Um, like that. Yeah, through things that are going on personally and professionally, um, like putting a, putting some thought into emotional bank accounts on what is, um, what deposits are being made, what withdrawals are being taken out and how much I'm willing, um, to invest for that level of happiness, um, emotionally. So I think that's a really good place to be. And that's also made me think about in our dare to rise journey, how much some people don't invest in their happiness, but actually try and withdraw from other people's happiness and um, put a lot of effort into that. Uh, so uh, I just encourage our listeners just to take check of your emotional bank account. No, so, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like how you worded it too. Yeah. <laughs> And that um, uh, Experts and Influencers book is publishing next week. Uh, we That's are, amazing. Oh my gosh, I'm oh, so excited. <laughs> oh, where will it's our 14. listeners be able to check that out? Where would they be able to get, um, be able to purchase and support this? It'll be um, advertised on Amazon. If you follow uh, our social media, I'll definitely make sure that you things mean are... you should be per- following our social That's media. Right. <laughs> Please be following our social media. In fact, it's a good reminder for our listeners to reach out to us on email if there's any thoughts that they have about what we're sharing um, every month. And if they have anything they want to share that they've impacted uh, or been influenced by listening to our podcast. So. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So yeah. please remember, check out Dare to Rise on Instagram. And I know we've got a Facebook page, but also our beautiful website is amazing and a great yeah. way to reach out to us as well. So yeah, thank yeah. you for plugging that. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, your, uh, your husband did an excellent job on that. So yeah. I'm just a tad bias. <laughs> <laughs> he did wonderful. So thank you to my husband. <laughs> so tell me what you've been up to since we last chatted. That I've not been on DTR for a minute, so it's good to be back. I've missed it, but been very blessed and fortunate. I'm the vice chair of a local coalition in my community, and we've been doing some amazing things. We got awarded our first grant that I'm so fortunate to be a part of um, being awarded that last week and just doing a lot of um, connecting with the community. We did, we've been doing a lot of suicide prevention trainings and drug and alcohol prevention in our youth and it's just been a great learning opportunity and just connecting with people and their stories that they have. Everyone has a story. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, it was really amazing to get to know the people on the coalition more because everyone truly, like I just said, has a story, but we've all gone through different chapters in our lives and we're getting more comfortable with sharing certain parts of our story because um, this ugly word of shame likes to come in. And I think it makes people feel embarrassed or people won't, you know, won't want to be your friend or connect with you. If you know, all of these, you know, hardships that they've gone through and instead mm-hmm. of feeling, I don't know, empowered about sharing their story. Sometimes people are embarrassed, but this group of women, we got together and I really got to connect with people that you normally wouldn't probably think you would because we're from so many different walks of life, but we found so many things that we had in common. It was really beautiful about the stories that we all 
have within us and that are a part of us. And that's why it's amazing that tonight we've got Miss Bridget Cookbert. She is the book whisperer. So guys, we have the book whisperer on tonight on DTR and she's beautiful inside and out and she's phenomenal. And so we're really fortunate to have her as a guest tonight on the podcast. Bridget is a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestselling mentor, trainer, mama bear, humanitarian, and speaker known for riveting stories of transformation. Her powerful work has been showcased on Oprah, CNN, GMA, Dateline, The History Channel, NPR, and in People, among many others. She is the CEO and founder of YourInspiredStory.com. Bridget is also a co-founder and executive director of Shiro's United, a nonprofit organization that helps women and girls rise from trauma. As a leader, storyteller, trainer, and humanitarian, her greatest passion is helping others to discover the importance of their own story and to become leaders in their own communities and worldwide. Bridget's many national bestsellers include The Witness Wore Red, Shattered Silence, Skinhead Confessions, Leading Women, and also Living Proof. Bridget invites everyone to believe in the power of their story to change the world. And you can join her writer's retreats and leadership retreats that she holds in Utah, Italy, Ireland, and, and many amazing other locations. And thank you. We're going to already welcome Bridget to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so delighted to be here. Absolutely honored. This is so fun. And I've listened to some of your other podcasts and have just enjoyed this camaraderie between you two and and love the organic way that, that you get to know people. So thank you for having me. Oh, it really is an honor. You are a powerhouse and you're just a beautiful light and energy. So already let's jump into this. How have you been? What's been going on with you? I've been doing really Good. I've kind of been in the midst of a rebirth of sorts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love and that. So, um, quite a renaissance for myself. And uh, uh, COVID had an interesting effect on me on an emotional level and a physical level as I uh, got to absolutely redo my business because many things were live, which is what I love. Uh, so I got to to create some online things, which was good. And also, I think a period of reflection. So as you know, the world is waking back up. I've been doing some things. Uh, Tina mentioned, you know, some things that she's doing for herself and how important it is for us to have this emotional bank account. I love to give. It's what lights my fire, Um, but we can all only give so much. So I've been doing some breath work and meditation, some yoga, uh, getting back into some some movement. But this time, instead of like the all or nothing that I have a tendency to be, I'm just being more compassionate and loving. So some days it's only 11 minutes, but I'm doing 11 (laughs) masterful minutes. And then other times it's like, yeah, you know, and you can hear me roar down the street. So it just depends on the day, but at at least, you know, it's becoming a daily practice, this, this radical self-care. So, oh, I love that. No, I refer to 2020 as my stretch season, just growing emotionally, physically, mentally. It really was a stretch season. I also cried a lot. Tina can attest to that. (laughs) I I think we all cried a lot. (laughs) Really? Um, But it also was such a transformative in your description as, you know, being a person of, you know, writing stories or helping people with transformation. It really was a transform transformative period of my life too, though. I think Tina can relate to that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think uh, definitely a period of, um, patience and grace. That's, those are the two key words. I, I remind myself what 2020 was about and continues in 2021. I think some of those key words we identify when we're going through some challenges or struggles or change in circumstances like COVID brought to us, but uh, those words kind of stay with us as important reminders. So Bridget, I am so honored that of, of, of what you're doing, listening to you talk about it, because I can see a, a shift in how you're feeling about what you offer and make sure that you're giving back to yourself. Um, just so that the listeners know, I am a personal fan of Miss Bridget. And um, well, how just, could you uh, not be? <laughs> Like, be, like, even in the bio, how could you not be a fan? <laughs> oh my gosh, I know. I was reflecting today, um, the moment that our paths uh, joined, I will not say crossed, uh, joined. It was actually Valentine's Day of 2019. And I had come across Bridget on social media. 
not knowing who she was and was doing some research, maybe some stalking, Bridget. I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> but not like in a creepy way, right? <laughs> no, I was just watching videos and her posts and everything. And, and she was such an amazing woman to me and um, still is. But I reached out to her, not thinking that uh, she would respond. But I was so touched by um, some words that she shared on this live video. And um, just reflecting on the realization that when I connected with her, my life was about ready to change. And so Bridget, uh, that definitely happened. And I'm just so grateful for what you have brought to my life. So thank you. Thank you, Tina. I felt the same way. My life has never been the same since you came into it. (laughs) Well, go ahead, Nicole. I just hope our listeners uh, are excited about what we're going to be talking about and, and hopefully uh, join our paths too. So Now, I think it's beautiful. Women need to support each other and lift each other up. So I think it's always beautiful when women are supporting each other along the journey. I think that's just beautiful what you guys are sharing. Um, Bridget, so you're called the Book Whisperer. So share with our audience, how did you get that name? Why are you the Book Whisperer? (laughs) Well, I think um, I have always been intrigued by stories. And so ever since I was little, I was a voracious reader. So I could be on several different planets and um, (laughs) involved in several different romances and um, taken back in history, you know, all throughout one week. And I always had massive library finds, (laughs) just check out stacks. So stories have been intriguing to me forever and ever. Uh, But there was a point where um, the story I was telling myself didn't serve anymore. I had a near death experience. I just kept trying to prove myself improve myself and um, and almost died because of it when I was in college and uh, I had this experience in the hospital um, where I was given a second chance at life and it changed my story it absolutely changed my story where all of a sudden I just didn't take anything for granted anymore and I didn't take humans for granted anymore just how incredible we are and how messy we are and how beautiful and delicious we are and and I really I just fell in love with people and then I noticed as I was working like with gang kids in Denver and um, started doing a lot of writing with these high-risk youth it's like the, the stories that we believe about ourselves are the most important stories and then I could watch as some would change their story and write a new chapter you know and sometimes like a whole new book. Like I'm setting that aside. I'm no longer that content. And I would watch as they would just blossom and grow. And I knew that I had the ability to do that as well, but I just loved watching that blossom around me in such miraculous ways. And then I was asked if I'd write some hard stories, you know, some places where people had just been through the depths of hell. But what was cool is I could see that they had come out on the other side to such a degree that they were no longer a victim, but a victor over their circumstances, situations, and even their own belief systems and thoughts. And now they were ready to be amazing contributions to society. And I was like, all that. (laughs) That's what I was absolutely in love with. And so I got to write these stories of a lot of darkness and the transformation to so much light. And I fell in love with it so much that I, I walked away from other businesses. I had a phone book. I had a trucking company that I started from the ground up. Um, All of these things, I walked away from that into being able to help other people with their stories full time. And I'm still writing because I love it. I love that you're, and you can tell just in your voice, I can hear the passion you have for it and the genuine love for it. So that's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Tina was one of those that I watched just blossom before my eyes. I have just absolutely loved that. So yes, I'm, I'm very passionate about what stories can do. Well, and can you dive in a little bit when you were just saying about the stories that we tell ourselves? Yeah, um, there's a quote I love to give by another author. His name is Harold Goddard. And he said, the destiny of the world, that's my puppy, she agrees. (laughs) The destiny of the world is determined less by the battles lost and won than by the stories it loves and believes in. And to me, that was so intriguing. It was like the destiny of the world 
And over and over and over, I saw this. And what I realized was the destiny of our individual worlds is determined less by any battles that we lose and won and win, but these, these stories that we love and believe in. And sometimes our stories are of limitation and sometimes they're of amazing possibilities. And, and so, um, over and over, I see people on a daily basis, like moment to moment to moment, having a choice of what story am I going to tell myself now? You know, am I going to say the same thing when I get up today that life sucks and I just don't have any choices and my boss hates me and, you know, I'm not safe? Or am I going to change that story and say, wow, I am so grateful to be alive today and I want to know who I get to serve and what adventures await me as I walk out this door and being ready to receive and being ready to live, I think. I think one thing that COVID taught us is how easy it is for us to like cocoon into ourselves and um, create safety, which is important for all humans, but to not live is not safe for humans to not experience this incredibleness of being alive on the planet right now at this time, that to me is a, as a tragedy. And so um, what I love about stories is that suddenly they open us up to grander thinking to more abundant and joyful and buoyant ideas. And then when we share stories with each other, uh, when I have an incredible story and Nicole has an incredible story, and Tina has an incredible story and we share those stories, all of a sudden our vision of what is possible for us is expanded as well. And so stories change people. Stories change the world more than any other element that I have seen uh, that, that we're in charge of within ourselves. And so to me, there's nothing more powerful, nothing more beautiful and nothing more debilitating too, if we're not careful. So I'm always careful too, about the words I express every day. And Tina knows sometimes there will be some of those 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 four letter words. <laughs> I did run a trucking company after all for a while, um, but you know my mother taught me that um, that besides swearing that there that there's this entire language, and so I'm grateful that she taught me all of these possibilities, even with language and how we express ourselves on a daily. It's it's awesome. Yeah. Sorry, I get going because I get all passionate. No, I think that's beautiful. Thank you for everything that you shared. Everything was on point. And we've said, we've shared that before on DTR is just the power of storytelling. It's it's how we connect. It's how we feel community or, you know, establish community or just witnessing and seeing each other in the stories that we're able to share and find connection or camaraderie with. So I appreciate everything that you shared. Yeah, I think that's how, um, well, not think it is definitely how Dare to Rise even started. The foundation was based on, you know, uh, transparent conversations between Nicole and myself and and our listeners and um, the people that I've met at the retreats. And we all have these stories and sometimes we think we're all alone in what we're going through and we're afraid to share um, because we have, we've told ourselves our own stories of maybe something we could do better or be better. Um, but just the realization that we're all trying hard and we're all living through all these and we're all resilient or else we wouldn't be here. So kudos to you, Bridget, for the experiences I've had with you at the writer's retreat to create a level of um, trust that people can share their stories with each other. And, and, um, not, not have any judgment or fear or anything with that, but just a, a very powerful experience that gives everyone a foundation to start to rise again from, from tragedy, from sadness, from love, whatever it is. So, um, I have, uh, definitely developed such strong relationships through my own journey of writing my story. So Excellent. Yeah, wherever um, you go, you're creating that magic. I love to see it. <laughs> that Tina K magic. So Bridget, for people that are struggling and telling themselves a negative story, what are some things that some tips or steps that you can share with them on how they can change that for them to look at things not negative, but look at the opportunity or look for hope in what they've experienced? Well, thank you for asking. You know, there's there's um, all kinds of things, you know, on a physical level, on a mental and a spiritual and emotional. Uh, I'll focus first on writing. 
So, uh, you know, when we write our thoughts, two things happen. So especially when we have negative thoughts that deserve to be expressed, if we put them out into a journal, uh, then all of a sudden those emotions, those feelings, those circumstances, that tragedy, that trauma is for the first time, sometimes outside of ourselves. So we can separate ourselves from what happened to us and who we really are. And I absolutely love that. And then the second thing is because words have so much power is when we train our brain on a daily basis to think about and think about uh, amazing things going on in our lives. Even when we're really busy, if we write down three gratitudes, like things I'm really grateful for today. And I encourage you to take a full minute on each one of those three, those three. So it's only three minutes of writing, but it's like, instead of like, well, I'm thankful for my car and I'm thankful for my son and I'm thankful for my dog, you know, we can all do that. But if we start to go into a full minute of that gratitude, it's not that long, but all of a sudden it's rich and full and voluptuous and juicy. And it's like, whoa, you know, I really am grateful. And gratitude is the great multiplier. It just brings more good into our space. And I see that in myself and I see it all around me all the time. So I love that. And, you know, we're very busy, especially as women, but women and men who are daring to rise usually we're, you know, out in the world, kicking butt and taking names. One of the things when I get really busy, I'm learning to write um, the way that I did years ago. And it's called three magical moments, today's magical moments. And so I just write down three magical moments that, you know, a minute apiece. Uh, but all of a sudden I have a, a positive trigger in my brain that I can go back to. And maybe I didn't list the whole conversation, but I list some juicy details where I go back to that page and I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I remember, you know, the gorgeous bouquet of flowers that my husband gave me and the ride up the Canyon and the temperature of the air as it got cooler and the succulent kiss <laughs> at the top of the mountain. Right. So I'll remember those things, you know, without having to write too much, but it, it brings the magic home. So I think, retraining our brain into the positive aspects of being alive, um, being present and being in, in gratitude and joyful. So those, that's where I would start for anyone. And it's been proven that when you write for yourself a few minutes every day, that psychologically um, you create endorphins in your brain. So you're doing like this chemical wash of joyful things and then also it's just incredibly healing. It lowers your blood pressure. It reduces anxiety. It, it increases, you know, a sense of peace and well-being. So it's worth it. Just the right. What I just shared with you, six minutes a day, you could have all that done. And pretty soon you might be wanting like Tina to write 15 minutes a day or 30 minutes a day <laughs> or an hour a day. And it gets really delicious. Yeah. I love that because... Um... The journaling, the the magical moments that you referred to, just taking time to do that, um, because I know through the, the the writing journey itself, when you're looking at um, sharing your story, a lot of that writing is just to be witness to for maybe some pain that you've experienced. And so to balance that out with all of this joyful stuff that you're thankful for, uh, the tragedy happened, but it didn't prevent you from celebrating all this juicy stuff too. Too. So uh, I, I love how you teach us to write very juicy and to live very juicy too. The word, the word succulent is one of my favorites in the English dictionary right now. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> I love that quote too, write something worth reading or live something worth writing. And I believe in doing both living juicy and writing juicy. I love that. I think that's amazing. Bridget, for you and your writing career or writing journey, do you, looking back on your experiences, is there a moment that everything changed for you or how did you get on this path? Well, that's a good question, Nicole. I, I would say this because um, writing is extremely personal, you know, and you, you get to know people on such a deep and um, transparent level, like the two of you did with each other. Uh, not everybody in life has those conversations. And so as I was working with people on their own stories, 
I recognized that I had to go deeper with people and individuals. And then when I did, like I had to look at some of the dark places inside of me. I got to look at some of the patterns that I was living. I got to look at some of the things that I wanted to do different. Um, uh, emotional and domestic violence in my situation. Uh, writing the books that I wrote helped me to say no more, not for me, not on my watch, not my children, and to take the steps for healthier, uh, healthier family, healthier relationships. I got to break chains, but it took actually, you know, writing the stories, I think for me to say, it's not just about someone else, you know, and oftentimes we kind of do that. Well, that person was abused or that person was this or that. And it looked that way. And it's easy for us to separate ourselves and go, well, mine isn't, you know, that bad, or it's not this, or it's not that. But when I was writing on those deep levels, I had to be more authentic inside of myself feel those feelings like the people that I was writing about. And then I saw the power and I'm going to get emotional. I saw the power of one person to change their own worlds and to change the world for the better at large. And I didn't want to be a coward anymore. I wanted to be, I wanted to be brave. I wanted to be a leader. I wanted to be an example to my kids. I wanted to be able to live. And so um, that was a real game changer for me between skinhead confessions and shattered silence, the untold story of a serial killer's daughter. There was a huge transformation that happened inside of me and what I would allow and what I wouldn't. And my boundaries that used to just, I would allow to get pushed and pushed and pushed. I, I just said, hmm no more. This is my boundary and I'm happy here and it's respectful of myself and others. And it was the first time I'd ever done that. So that was a big significant change for me. And then I will tell you about one more. Uh, I was running my trucking company and CNN called because Witness War Red was getting ready to come out. And, uh, and I had a business partner who I absolutely adored and we were really good friends. Uh, and we had agreed that, you know, we would have a company that was a stepping stone to greater things, but eventually it became the dream, right? It was the dream. And when, uh, CNN called and they're doing an interview with, with Rebecca and then myself, and they said, so Bridget, do you have any more stories to write any more books? And I'm like, I will always have another <laughs> book to write. And my business partner got frustrated and angry and upset because I, the dream was supposed to be the trucking company and it was okay. Cause that was his dream. And so I, I let him have his dream and I went on to my dream of, more writing and more stories and helping more people with theirs. And that was a huge turning point with saying, I am worth this, you know? Oh, can I share? There oh, was you a, can always share. <laughs> <laughs> Tell was, us more, please. <laughs> there was this extraordinary violin maker named Peter Pryor that was um, on the streets of Salt Lake City, had a little shop with violins and the smell of wood that just permeated and the sound of music. And he was someone who was instrumental in Rebecca Musser's life. He'd been a mentor to her and he loved her and adored her since she was a little girl. And he was one that brought her hope that, that there were people in the outside world, outside of this polygamous sect, the FLDS, that were good people because she'd been taught all her life that anybody outside of that was wicked and that they would hurt you. But Peter was one of those extraordinary men that was respectful, loving, and celebrated her. And so we got to visit him and we'd written about him, but then I got to write deeper about him. And Rebecca went outside for a moment to take a phone call. And so it was just Peter and I in the shop. And he was looking out on um, one of the city streets and they were doing construction. And he was, he was, you know, um, taking this piece of wood and he was sanding it down with so much love as he's talking to me. So he's sanding this wood and he said, you know, Bridget, there was a time in my life where I could have chosen to be one of those construction workers. And he said, what they do is noble work. We get to go to work each day, grocery stores, home, be with our loved ones because of this noble work that those men and women do. 
He said, I got to have a choice. Would I be a construction worker or would I be a violin maker? And then he said, I chose to be a violin maker and music has been with me every day of my life. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I just knew then that that was the choice. That was that moment of choice where it was like, I will step away from these other things that I enjoy and that I love and that I learn from, but I'm going to move into the music of writing every day. And so I got to make that lovely choice and I will never forget Peter Pryor. I love that. Such a vibrant, such a vibrant story. Um, and how we can make those choices um, and follow our passion and our purpose. And first of all, music, it just soothes the soul. So to, to pursue that direction, but just for our listeners, you know, sometimes we have a lot of options out there and maybe sometimes we're forced into something that may not drive that passion. And so to stand tall and really um, embrace what your purpose is and the direction that you choose. So everything that you're saying about your background with the domestic abuse, um, your, your efforts and sharing stories and, and these youth that are getting pulled into groups and skinheads and all that stuff. How has that influenced you to, to be the Shiro that you are and the work that you do for Shiro's United? Well, thank you for asking. Um, As you know, that's another big passion of mine and they're actually intertwined. Uh, because there were a group of businesswomen in Salt Lake City that got together and each one of us had experienced some sort of trauma, whether domestic violence, sexual assault, um, human trafficking, uh, you know, a veteran of war. We'd all experienced some sort of trauma and we had risen beyond it to a certain point. But we noticed that women around us were not telling their stories. They were in that word that Nicole was talking about, which was shame. Mm-hmm. And, and so when you live in shame and you do think you're the only one, then you're not willing to share those stories. And then, and then you continue to think that you're the only one. And so does your neighbor. And so does your friend. And when we learned two things for me was learning that, um, human slavery, human trafficking is more prevalent today than any time in human history. I was floored because mm-hmm. to me, that was something that should have happened in our history and then been done. Like it shouldn't have even happened in our history, but it was supposed to be done and it wasn't. So that was big for me. But also when I found out that one in three women would be raped or beaten or murdered in her lifetime, that was when I said, not on my watch. And so did the women that I was involved with. And we didn't know what the hell we were doing at all. (laughs) But we came together and decided that some way we would be able to share women's stories and that we would stand proudly and that we would be sheroes, meaning that we were victors over our circumstances and that we would share other um, venues for women to be able to do this. And so now we have, um, Tina knows this incredible training called Inside Out. Uh, we were asked if we would teach um, uh, close to the Vatican, a group of women refugees coming out of Congo, who uh, it's the darkest place on the planet for women. And um, uh, and there was this point where I was like, oh, my gosh, who am I to write this curriculum? Who are we to be teaching this women? And then that quote, you know, if not me, then who? If not now, then when? And so we went into a really deep space of what our contribution could be. And um, we put together that training and there were dignitaries and royalty. And there were these women who had come from the streets of of Congo. And um, it was a very humbling and beautiful experience. And we came home and we tweaked it and we made it better. And we've now been teaching it in the prison for close to four years. And uh, um, at uh, uh, we just learned that the women um, volunteers are being allowed back into the prison again. And they were giving them a choice of what programs they wanted. And over and over and over again, um, the Shiro's Inside Out training was in the top five. And we're like, yes, I love that. <laughs> Amazing. 
And we, we also made it available to um, women coming out of domestic violence. And also um, it's now in a beta program for a, a large group of women coming out of human trafficking. And they're so grateful because again, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm not alone. Oh my gosh, I can use this as a stepping stone for greater things. Oh my gosh, in a year, my life could be completely different because now I can be a leader and I could actually share this with someone else and give them the same promise. Mm-hmm. And so that, that set me on that journey. And, um, you know, I've met extraordinary women and men from, we call them our heroes, heroes, but from all different backgrounds and walks of life. And we're just recognizing, you know, humanness is messy. We, we engage in and we encounter trauma, but what matters is, you know, how do we face this and how do we rise beyond it? And, and how do we help prevent it in the future for others? But also how do we, how do we move together and become more connected and more empowered together? And so we help raise women leaders and we're doing some extraordinary things over the next year. Like if anybody wants to volunteer, we're taking this into prisons across the United States now and deserve trainers like you. And we're also, um, Uh, getting it into the hands of women. And we've got it available online for free for anyone who would like to take the course for themselves and then take it again to become certified. So I love that training that it was beautiful. I love hearing all the success stories about um, what we're seeing in the women's prisons and helping them rise from whatever they've experienced in their past, not letting it define who they are, especially once they're released um, to be the victor and not be not be a victim of their circumstances, but choose to make a difference and and dare to rise. So it's all so exciting. And um, yeah, I, I loved it. Um, Nicole and I are going to be talking some more about it, but I also hope our listeners uh, check it out and look to be involved too. Uh, I think now that the prisons are reopening and letting us uh, to go in and, and do some of that teaching, it's what a great way for us to give back as leaders and develop future leaders too. Yeah. Oh, and the cool thing too, is that women who have paroled came back to Shiro's and they said, we have some things that we want to bring to the prison program for a level two that, yeah. And it's, um, it just gives me chills. Like they showed up as leaders and said, we have some more to offer. And I was, anyway, that's our prayer, right? That's Mm -hmm. our, that's our whole desire that they, that they get out, but they want to give back to their community. And the first place that they went back to is, we want, we have more to share at the prison that will help. And we're like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's seriously amazing. Well, that's where I met you, Bridget, was at a Shiro's event. And it was just so inspiring and amazing to see all of these people in the community coming together to support what you guys are doing. And I naively wasn't aware, like, I, you know, that there is human trafficking, but never to the extent of what's going on in our communities. So it's really important that we are talking about that and letting people know the information out there and to be mindful and aware and be involved and be engaged so we can hopefully one day eradicate that altogether. Cause like you said, that should have been something we were done with forever ago, not something that we're dealing with in the, the levels that we are now. Cause it's just really heartbreaking to realize how significantly that's impacting communities in America specifically too. I think people always think human trafficking is like a third will or country issue. And it's like, no, that's happening in your backyards. Yeah, it is. In fact, um, over the weekend, there was uh, two or three arrests just in our local community uh, that had to do with some things, um, rings and some other things that were going on. So it is, it's all in our backyard. And so the more we're aware of it and the more we choose to have our eyes open and to be more like the village that raises the child and raises each other, then the less it can happen. So yeah. I'm glad you said that, Nicole. It doesn't just happen over there. It's it's right under our noses, but we can shift it. Absolutely. There's power in our community and there's power in numbers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, Bridget, what do you think when you think about daring to rise in your own life, was there a moment where you can say that's, that was my dare to rise moment? I, I'm sure you've had many, but. Oh, I think she's had a lot. <laughs> I think we all have had several moments where we've had to dare to rise. 
Oh, I think that one um, at the Vatican was really significant um, for me. But I, I will say this. Um, some of the beauty of what I have experienced is is watching other uh, women and men around me who are daring to rise. And I think, you know, when I was working on the Witness for Red and I just saw the profound effect that Rebecca Musser had on an entire community of 10,000 people who were under this like clasp of shame and belief systems, you know, under Warren Jeffs. And she had seen these, these, you know, children, child brides, you know, first 16, then 15, then 14, then 13, then 12. And she was seeing some of these things going on and it roiled inside of her and it didn't feel good. But the way she'd been raised, she was powerless. Then she got out and she tried to extricate herself from the community, but she had three little sisters and one of them had already been forced to marry someone she didn't love. And he beat her and raped her all the time. And she had these two younger sisters that just poof disappeared at one point when Warren Jess was building a temple down in El Dorado, Texas on the YFC ranch. And Rebecca could have done what she'd done all her life that she was taught to do was stay out of it. Don't go against the word of the prophet, you know, um, uh, you know, mind your own business. And instead, she chose to be the face of the faceless and the voice of the voiceless. And I got to see two things because a lot of times when I help people write their stories there, they've already risen to a deep degree. Rebecca was still rising and she still had more work to do. Um, I got to see what she'd already done, which was extraordinary, could have been written in three volumes. But I also got to see when she made choices to really show up in the courtroom And, um, you know, Warren had outlawed this color red and we did write about this in the book, but he had outlawed the color red because that's the color Christ is supposed to wear when, when he comes again. And so no one in these 10, amongst these 10,000 people was allowed to wear red or have red cars or, you know, red toys, red anything. And, um, every time that Rebecca testified in a court of law, which was over 20 times, she always came sashaying in in some sort of red, red suits, you know, red slacks, red blouse, something red. She had arrived. Mm-hmm. She had. But there was this one time when she had to go up against Warren Jeffs and he had fired his attorneys. Right. And so it's Warren and Rebecca. And I saw her shaking and trembling and terrified. But there was this this, oh, this, this beautiful resilience in her backbone that she had not come this far to back down. But the last time she saw him, he said, I will break you and I will train you to be a good wife. And then I watched her sashay in, heels clicking, and she turns around. And I will never forget because I was in the galley. I was dressed in red. But I was not the only one. There were red roses in women's hair and red suits and dresses and red ties on the attorney generals and on on the um, several of the Texas Rangers and others. There was like this sea of red in the galley. And I saw, holy shnikey, the power of this one woman, not only to change that group of 10,000, but the people in the courtroom and the, the people that she was touching who would read her story. And I changed in that moment. I, I decided like earlier, I was no longer going to be a coward. And in this moment, I decided that I would do the one thing that I could do in every moment, moment to moment to moment. And I still play the coward from time to time. I'll be honest with you. You know, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, oh, this is too much for me. I think that's just part of the journey though. Yeah. (laughs) But, but then I remember, I remember that. And, um, usually by the second or third day, I get back up and I, and I go, I go do it. 
I love that story because red is so empowering and it, it exudes strength and confidence. And um, I have made the choice a couple times on occasion to wear red uh, specifically for how I wanted to show up and look to others that I had strength and confidence to be where I was at when I could totally have made the choice to be very vulnerable and um, kind of timid. So red is such that story that that you've shared in the book uh, just gave me something to think about, you know, as I was going through my own trials. Well, talk about resiliency. I mean, I just when the story you were sharing, Bridget, with with anything that you I've never faced anything. We'll never face anything like what Rebecca did, but no matter what you're facing in your life, be resilient and have strength that you can overcome whatever is the obstacle that you're facing. Yeah. And there's so much courage too, when you're, when you are open and honest and vulnerable with uh, your experiences and story to, uh, to affect so many people to, to wear red by and showing that support, but we all have the opportunity to do that every day, whether work personally or professionally, we have a, we have a choice and an opportunity to show up and be vulnerable and share experiences that um, helps us rise the people around us too. Um, in addition to helping helping us share our story and and be empowered by the truth of something and not to be afraid to share mm-hmm. something. I would agree. You know, um, I got to as a shiro go to Sundance one year, and we got to see this trailer of a of a movie called Step, and it was about these girls in um, uh, all of a sudden the name. It's a large city back east. All of a sudden, it's out of my head. But they they were part of a step group in high school. So they followed these girls in this documentary from freshmen all the way to high school and, um, you know, went into their homes and documented the things that that they were going through and the difficulties of living in the inner city. Um, and it was, you know, before Black Lives Matter was really starting to, to show up for people. But it was a difficult time for these these girls. And so. They're down in in front and we're, you know, we're watching this documentary and then the girls, um, they see this documentary for the first time Mm. and their director is there, you know, and there's like total standing ovation in the house. Like everybody's (laughs) like, oh my gosh, these girls and what victors over their circumstances. And they're all excited for them. But the girls were sobbing and hugging each other. And the director told us later, she said, they said to each other, I didn't know that your power was turned off at the same time that mine was. I didn't know that you went for three days without food at the same time that our family was in the same situation. I didn't know that you didn't have clothes when you didn't come to practice. I faced that same thing the next year. Like they just didn't know those things because They've been taught to, you know, not to speak about those things, not to share, not to be vulnerable because that was dangerous. But as we're learning, vulnerability is great in its power. Mm-hmm. And you you do have to be careful not to cast your pearls before swine. You know, we've all been in those circumstances where somebody can use a story against you. However, I find those to be few and far between. And you can usually tell pretty, pretty soon about a person and how they're going to use your stories either to empower you or to try to disempower you. And uh, I just suggest that you share them with those who will honor and that you ask for stories in return, because that's where real change happens. That's so beautiful. I know uh, Nicole and I have been on several occasions, been out in our community and come across different individuals and just know that they have a story to tell. Uh, The curiosity of what we all bring to our lives and to our existence and sharing that with one another. So the, the opportunity for people to do that through storytelling, through writing their book or joining the podcast and, and sharing their experiences to help lift others up. Yeah. We, we had a, we had a gentleman at our inspired writers retreat a few years ago and he was from a native American tribe in Washington. And um, there comes a point as, as uh, Tina knows in our retreat where um, people will share 
some of their writing and it's a vulnerable writing. And, um, and he said, in my culture, we have been taught not to cry, but I will sing for you. And he sang this song of lament and connection and other things that made everyone else in the room cry, the men included. And he said, you know, when I first came here, because he was on a scholarship, he's like, when I first came here, I thought that I would be surrounded by uh, rich and ignorant white people who I would have nothing in common with because it's the white people who took away our stories and took away our culture and took away our language. He said, but as I sit here among you, I recognize that I am the same as you and you are the same as me. And it is time for us to bring stories back into our culture. Absolutely. And I was like, oh, that brings so tears boring. to my eyes. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's so true. I really, um, I, with that, with the coalition that I'm on and these women that I am getting used, getting more acquainted with, I can relate to that so much because I really can feel similar. Like we are very different backgrounds, different religious beliefs and just different aspects of our lives are just very different. But like what he just shared, you like, we are the same, you're the same as me and I'm the same as you. And we really found a lot of connection. And I came out of that coming with four really amazing friends at the end of it. And I, again, would never think we would have had that if I would have just based off of these judging a book by a cover, no pun intended, since we're talking about writing, but really like if we do that and we don't start getting into the chapters of people's stories and start really getting into the context, we would just put our walls up and come in with these preconceived notions and that are not always positive. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you what, I always know where God needs me to expand my love and put away my judgment because there will be someone that will show up at the writer's retreat and they knock my socks off and absolutely change my perspective and open it up. And it's like, Whoa, was I judging before this? And it makes me cry, but it's uh, opportunities. Like you said, Nicole, they're all around us. And, and some of these can be our greatest friendships ever. uh, If we allow ourselves the unlikely which is fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Oh, no, thank you for everything that you've shared with us tonight. I always tell Tina, you know, um, you have to earn the right to hear our stories, but it is amazing. It is less that you're going to have people that will utilize or weaponize your story, your vulnerable, your dark stories. Um, And it's just really beautiful when you do share that because it is like people, I feel like feel relieved, like, oh my gosh, like I also have had hardship or if it was an uh, abusive situation or poverty or whatever the situation they were um, dealing with at the time. It just, it really is that kind of the storytelling is a bridge of connection between humans. And I think that's really um, beautiful in itself as well. Um, But before we let you go tonight, I wanted to make sure that we talked about, you've been talking about this writer's retreat. So for our audience, can we dive into that? Tell us about these writer's retreat. How how did that even come to be? What made you decide I'm going to create this platform? Wow. And Nicole, thank you. That's a great question. So the writer's retreat is my baby. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it because I watch people just blossom, you know, as they, as they, as they come and they share and they see themselves more deeply than generally they've ever given themselves permission to do. And we do hero's journey work and um, we look at the hard things that have happened in their lives and also the most beautiful, exquisite things that have ever happened. And they see themselves in a different way. They rise beyond their story, which I absolutely love. love uh, so I will tell you, I was working on The Witness War Red and um, after my second book had come out on Oprah uh, and Dr. Phil and all of these things. Um, oh, yeah, we're really good friends with them, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just well, was telling, story. I was telling Oprah, we're talking to Bridget tonight and she said, say hello. Okay, please tell her hello back. <laughs> I'm totally joking, Bridget. Oprah has no idea who I am. <laughs> she will one day, Nicole. She will one day. That's right. That's right. But uh, I'd, I'd had this story come out. And, and so there were like, within a short period of time, more than 200 people that came to me and asked if I would write their story. 
And I was just overwhelmed because there were stories like Melissa's that would just knock your socks off and, and talking about resiliency, like people of such extraordinary resiliency. And it would break my heart to put the phone down or to reply to an email because I had three young kids. Uh, I was a single mom. I was running a phone book in a trucking company and working on the witness for red. And there was just no way that I could write everyone's story. But there was a woman, Tina knows this story, but she knocked my socks off. Um, she had been born and raised to take care of her parents. And that was her job. So she was essentially a domestic servant Perfect. in her own household, never been married and she was 40, had never, you know, had children, you know, any of those things. It was all about her mom and dad. And then they died, both of them in quick succession. And she finds out certain things like she's in trouble with the government because this trust fund that her parents put her in charge of, they had actually embezzled money from the government. And then she finds out that her mom, who's an RN, is not an upstanding woman in the community, that she was actually dealing in black market babies. And that uh, she was one of them. My mouth and has dropped, by the way, everybody, you can't <laughs> see me, but my mouth is like floor, like on the floor. Right. And, and she had been bought as a baby for the price of a washing machine. And so their, her parents had bought her for a washing machine to play that servant role. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> and she came out um, to, to meet me. She just drove sight unseen and said, I know you're my author. You're just my author. And to keep a long story short, she passed before we could write her book. And I was shattered. I was crushed. I was like, anyway, it, it was so hard. And I made a promise to myself that I would create a forum where people with extraordinary stories could come, where it could be safe for them to share, where they could understand the power of storytelling, what it would take for them to write a book, have the business aspect of it and understand it so they could leave empowered instead of being so afraid to navigate these crazy waters that they would go, I am an author and I know which way I'm going to publish and I know what my story has to say and I know that I have something to say and I'm going to do it. And that's where the Inspired Writers Retreat was born. And I'm, I'm delighted to say that so much of it was inspired. It's not me. It has come from uh, a higher place. And I'm, I'm really grateful to have been in co-creation with this over and over. We've been doing it for several years now. Every retreat knocks my socks off. So if this sounds like something that any of you would like to attend, I invite you to go on our website. It's, uh, uh, you can go to yourinspiredstory.com and there's all kinds of resources for you, or you can look up inspiredwritersretreat.com. And uh, we take just a small group of people so I can spend time with you and learn about you and learn about your story. And then we work together in an extraordinary way, always in a beautiful cabin, always somewhere in nature, always with delicious foods. We oh, yes. On your story. <laughs> yeah. That's not the fun, isn't it? Yes. You're so food. pampered and treated uh, with such high value. I think that's, we all need that, especially when we are thinking about our stories to be in a place that is safe and that, um, that does pamper you. Like, you, you have a place to sleep. You have delicious, uh, beautiful food, all fancy and, and, um, and, uh, the benefit of all the relationships. I think that has been critical too, because you provide support once we leave. Um, but it's the relationships that we develop while we're there that is life-changing, um, you, you just connect at such a, a deeper level. And, and I know my life has forever been changed and influenced by, by you and the people that I've met at those writers retreats. Yeah. And they love you. They are like your biggest fan. <laughs> <laughs> so Tina has created a whole tribe besides dare to rise that are, that are going to like launch this book. In way. Well, and that's what you're supposed to be. That's as a really, as a supportive community, we should be doing that. 
for everybody. And that's beautiful that the network has grown beyond DTR and it will continue on because she's destined for amazing, great things. Yes, she is. It's true. (laughs) And Bridget, you created this real, I'm really excited for you to talk about this. So because of just the age we're in, but also I love being able to have easy access to things, this virtual event, Jumpstart. Can you share that with me and our audience? Tell us about that. Yes, thank you. This was one of the developments of COVID where people started being so deeply reflective. And then, you know, we couldn't put on a a live retreat, but I wanted to give back to the community. And I wanted people to have a really affordable, inexpensive, but powerful way to start their book. Because sometimes it's just, again, the stories we tell ourselves. And so oftentimes we're like, you know, is my story that important? Uh, does it have some guts to it? Is anybody going to read this? And so we question ourselves. Jumpstart is meant to really move past that, like blast past that to discover the importance of your story and to begin to outline it in really powerful ways. Uh, there is a lot of juice in this event. It's less than $200. Uh, we've got one that starts next week. So we would oh, love to have any of your listeners do this. We do it just once a quarter. And so um, it will begin next Tuesday evening. And uh, we split it up into two groups. So everybody joins together on the first night. And then the second night is either a Wednesday or Thursday. And it depends on if you're working on a self-help book or if you're working on a memoir where you're telling your your life story with um, with lots of meaning. So both of them have lots of meaning, lots of impact on readers. Uh, but they're just, they're uh, outlined different ways, created different ways. And so we like to really, you know, put you on the path that you best deserve. So that's July 13th is mm-hmm. when you guys are starting that for our, our listeners. So when you guys are checking this out, if you want to join July 13th is when the next jump start session starts. Yes. Thank okay. you. Oh, and then no. if you happen to be listening to this later, because I know these ladies are rising <laughs> and people are listening all over the world. So if you happen to miss the July 13th deadline, uh, we will have another one in September that we would love to have you join us. That's beautiful. I love that. So Bridget, one last question maybe to ask um, is what advice would you give your younger self? I think it has to do with what we started the class with. Um, the class, the podcast with. This is kind of a class, though. We're learning and teaching and growing from one another. So from one know, another. That's we sure. really are. Yeah. <laughs> Schools in oh. session. Yeah. <laughs> Tina, I think it has to do with that that bank account, that emotional bank account that you were talking about, and the um, the steps that I've been making to be more compassionate. Um, I'm a Type A personality. I have a tendency to be really driven. In my renaissance, I'm working on being more gentle and compassionate with myself and um, and just being more present in the everyday. So I think to my younger self, uh, the greatest piece of advice that I could give is that like the miracles all come and uh, and they come in their own time. Like God has such incredible divine timing and to trust the process while being present and compassionate with yourself. So I think that would be my greatest gift that I could give my younger self. Oh, that's beautiful. I think that's spot on. And I love that you're saying towards yourself. I think it's important that we show empathy and compassion towards others, but we always forget ourselves. Like what Tina was saying at the beginning about showing yourself patience and grace. We are so easy to treat others so differently and give them more understanding and love. And then for ourselves, we kind of skip over us. So I appreciate that you making sure to share. We need to do that for ourselves and not forget that towards ourselves. Yeah. Thank you. There is a, there is a word in almost every language that has to do with grace. And we think that it's, you know, um, one religion and one language, but uh, if you, if you choose to look it up, power of words, right. But there is there is a word in nearly every language that has to do with grace. And um, it's after all we can do, there's more. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important thing for us to think about and, and think about. I like that. And to think about. I love it. Well, Bridget Cook-Birch, thank you so much for gracing us with your presence on DTR. It really was an honor to have you on the podcast and to share 
your, your story and also share all of the amazing things that you're involved to our listeners. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank yes. you, Nicole. It's been a pleasure and an honor. And Tina, oh my gosh, I cannot wait till I can squeeze you in person again. I know, me too. Virtual hug right here. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and for your support always. Uh, listeners, please check Bridget out if you're looking for your own healing journey, sharing your story, and um, we would love to hear about it. So thank you, Bridget, for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks. Nicole, uh, I was just so appreciative that we got the opportunity for Bridget to um, join us on Dare to Rise tonight. She's a pretty amazing woman. Oh, absolutely. She's such a bright light. Um, I know people can't see it, but hopefully you could hear that in her voice. There's just so much love and passion in what she does and in the format and the nonprofit she's a part of. There's just a lot of beauty in what she does. And I really feel so fortunate we were able to share her with our audience tonight. Yep. She is the book whisperer. Um, (laughs) I love that. Um, And like you said, just the being able to support uh, women and Shiro's Heroes and Shiro's United, um, but also amazing organization. If I could just add that truly amazing, the work that they do and the um, specific things that they're focusing on and supporting and bringing light and information to. Yeah, for sure. I know we had the chance to attend that uh, masquerade ball. So I hope that they have future in-person events because they always bring so much fun and the experience of meeting new people and uh, joining together to raise awareness and to to raise money towards helping combat some of that uh, human trafficking and, and domestic violence and support our veterans when they return. So um Call to action. Uh, I think it definitely needs to be around uh, rising above our stories, sharing our stories. No, absolutely. Well, this was a writing themed um, podcast. So I think, (laughs) I think that's appropriate. No, I just, I loved how the message I got, at least from Bridget was everybody's story has value. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that. It doesn't matter the journey or where they're at. Everybody's story has value. And just again, just the power of storytelling and how it connects people that again, maybe you never thought you would have anything in common with or connection with and that conversation, or you hear a story and it's just like, you're just invested. And it's like, oh my gosh, like I do, we do have stuff in common and we're just people living our lives, trying to be our best selves. Yeah. Just living, daring to rise every day. Oh, yes. <laughs> but no, I just, I want people just to recognize that you, whatever story or whatever journey that you're on in your life, that there's value to your story. Um, and even if you don't ever write a book, and if you do, we obviously have great people for you to have resources to, but just know that you, um, your journey is beautiful, the hardships, the beauty in it. And it's just know that you have a community here at DTR that supports you and sees you and witnesses what you've been going through and what you will continue to go on in the journey of life. That's a really <laughs> long pause, but okay. I no. thought you were going to end it there. Nope. So. It's cool. But I just want to, you know, thank you guys again for always supporting DTR. Please make sure that you're checking out our social media platforms. Send us an email. We've been getting emails from audience listeners. It's been really fun to interact with people that are listening to the podcast. So please continue to send your emails. Please make sure you check out all of Bridget's amazing um, platforms that she has that jumpstart program and that writer's retreat. We'll have all of her information and contact in the body of our podcast information as always. But just until next time, just always remember to dare to rise. Riding downtown in New York City I know you wanna be there, I bring you away Party in the club like that track from Fitty Cause life is so good, let's go and vibe with me Riding downtown in New York City I know you wanna be there, I bring you with me This is what I'm doing, tell me that you wanna do it with me This is what I'm doing, tell me